Welcome back, everybody. Hi, Tilly. Hi. Hi, Karin. Karin Hi. Hi. Disciplinary artist here in Connecticut. Hey, Karin. How are you? Hi. I'm good. Thank you. I must tell you, when I see the things that you are doing, before we'll go into specification, I feel the burden that you carry on you, like a, like a you know, big bag of, of history of all of us. Thank you. I feel seen. Thank you, really. Uh, I do feel I carry a lot of DNA anxiety and uh, whatever my ancestors were carrying, I'm definitely bringing it to this day and age. Uh, there's a but lot most, of most of the world can can uh, connect to your stuff. I, well, I hope so. I think we all are. Work is focused on uh, immigrations, mm -hmm. misplaced people, and literally a lot of packages carrying on everybody's back. Yes, it's it's. Uh, Displaced people, immigrants, migrants, and also the futuristic, nostalgic, something that we all have that it feels like we've been here before, but it's very futuristic. It's not the same. So that's kind of like what what inspires me. And most. What do you mean what, by that? What do you mean by that? Look at her. She lives. Look at the room. I feel that the world is very in a futuristic, like when, when I was a child, we used to say in the future, I feel that this is in the future, yes. but there's so many things that I'm very nostalgic to that are from the past. And there's a fine line, or sometimes it's a juxtaposition between the future and nostalgia. And I find that a lot of my collages are, are right in between. I try to bring things that I'm very nostalgic to into a very futuristic in the future kind of like essence. So there is no clash between the nostalgia and the, your your futuristic, where you take it, there's not the juxtaposition is not really a clash. When I juxtapose when I juxtapose them, they clash and they create some sort of a drama and the displacement, the feeling of loneliness in this world because of the future and the, being nostalgic is basically not being a happy person if you're always thinking about the past. So if you bring something so nostalgic into your work, but you're also very futuristic. I can get honest about like where does it play a fine line in my mental health because it, it plays something between like if depression is something about always looking to the past and anxiety is about worrying about the future i feel that i bring those two elements into the present and that's where i see like the clash the clash is more about like the the emotions that we receive from it the aesthetics i find it to be like we always play in between those lines I, but you know, I somehow must tell you, as Tilly knows, I live, I, I am very nostalgic. I am waiting to bring uh, things that were in the past to the future. And my anxiety is that the future will abolish, will take away a lot of the things that really defined who I am. I think in a way, my, nostal my nostalgia is the same way. It really defines me because I see how that informs decisions, style, music. At the end of the day, I was born in 79, but my essence was born in 59. Like there's there's a disconnect that I feel. And I think a big part of it, of 
what I see in nostalgia, the good and the bad of it is how nostalgia is like connecting all of us. We share something, but it's not real because how we remember it is how we remember it. Like if I talk to you about the seventies, you can tell me it was a shitty time and I'll be like, wow, I thought it was amazing. Cause it's such a like, sub you know, this is the combination. This is the difference between memories and nostalgic uh, memory because nostalgia is a very personal thing. But do you think that the, the, for you, nostalgia is um, protecting you or uh, taking you away from uh, where you want to go? I think it puts a set of glasses on my eyes and allows me to see things with more uh, fuller feelings because I'm like, I'm lingering and longing into this something. And I think nostalgia is very warm. Nostalgia is something that's like the familiar is actually make me feel so good about things. So that's how I gravitate to nostalgia for the warmth, for the homey feeling, I would say. Because the way I see nostalgia, again, like, I think some people are nostalgic to a feeling. Some people are nostalgic. I'm nostalgic to smells. Like, a smell would really throw me off. So I think that's how I kind of, like, I always try to see what can I bring into my art that has the same kind of, like, invoke a feeling or invoke a, an emotion. Every art has to evoke, emo uh, evoke emotion. If not, it's not really communicative. But do you really think that uh, misplaced people that are uh, being pushed and moved to and has to move, they have to move to other places, they carry nostalgia with them? I don't think in the beginning they carry nostalgia. Yes, I think they it do. comes much later. So, I keep asking them and they they say they do. Even my students, I have students who came when they were four, five, six, and I asked about their parents and they carry the nostalgia with them. But depends on the conditions of coming, because if you come like us, you go on, on an airplane and you come and you land on the other I side. I am not an immigrant. So, no, 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 but you 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 stay on the yeah. other side. You, you have nostalgia with you, but when you're, you're you have, different conditions and you're being pushed away from home but and you're being replaced you know by force i don't know that nostalgia is really taking place right away i think it the takes... more difficult it is the more the nostalgia plays part of their life but don't forget a lot of refugees before before you were even born let's say in israel whatever you say they were emb embraced by emb emb you know and emb embraced no 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 embraced Ah, by the country. Embraced. The country tried, never mind so many mistakes, but at least there was a feeling that they are welcome until a certain well, There was a lot of effort to welcome them. Today, refugees is something else. Many times. Most refugees that we call them refugees is not the people you are talking about. It's people who are really misplaced, really refugees, really didn't come out of choice or they ran away from, uh, it's different. I think it's different. I have three different perspective on three different titles that we use. So immigration is one thing, mis displaced is another thing and migrants is another thing. Right. And that's what made the move. It's not the act of moving, it's what was the cause of it. So right. I think when we talk about immigration and I worked as head of research and content for an app that was providing immigrants a community for three years 
most of my research found out that people always have that connection to food, to music, to the holidays that connects the cultural aspect and that brings some of the nostalgia because they always connect a little bit like, of the culture and nostalgia. Like but, but when you're a migrant or a refugee or a displaced person, specifically in the last five, six years when we're seeing that kind of like um, trafficking of people, because it's not, it's not logic for somebody to be moved from one place to another as a political opponent. And this is what we're seeing. I'm sure they have nostalgia, but I don't think this is in their DNA to regret or look back. They only look forward. They, sure, only they cannot look back because it's, it's yeah, sure saying. they ran away. So the dream that they carry is not the same dream as mine. When I decided to relocate myself with the privilege of money and an airplane and a suitcase, I knew that whether right now it's relevant or not, I have a place to go back to. Right. In reality, I don't the way I see myself. I do not have a place. I have a citizenship, but it's not a place I see myself moving back. Wow. Why not moving back to Israel? No, no, it's okay. You're so deep. Said, I am wow, the opposite. No, I said, wow, because with <laughs> me, it's always wanting to go back. So I, I think my experience of immigration has been a very uh, interesting one. I, I've I've went back and forth a lot and I felt like a refugee because I, I didn't feel at home at where I was born. I'd never felt at home. And I felt as a refugee because I, I didn't connect. And when I went back, I spent 10 years over there. I met my husband, I got married over there. I have so much love for that country. But as soon as we moved, I realized that I feel a lot more like myself in yeah. a different cultural environment and it, it made me blossom I think more being away from Israel versus being in Israel but I have so much respect for the nostalgia that I have if we talk right now but this I can... is something else Karin because basically your personal situation or everybody carries its own personal situation and try to cross this this voyage you know uh somehow <laughs> and it comes with nostalgia this is natural you know you have you remember many things even if you stay home it doesn't it doesn't mean anything nostalgia it takes you to places or bring you take it with you wherever it you know it hits but but i want it's to like ask you about what i want to ask you about your work the how do you bring all these to your uh, characters in your videos. And all the groups you talked about in terms of prop, plastic bags, right? Plastic bags. Plastic bags. The day of the opening at Zaz, which was uh, not last Wednesday, the Wednesday before that, I left the space and we saw the, the, the artwork. Me and my friend were going to eat sushi and we passed a group of people with big bags and they're all standing against a corner next to an hotel. Uh, and I was telling her, these are migrants from Venezuela. These are the people that I'm talking about. And she's like, no, really? I'm like, yeah, this hotel was given to them by the city yes. in Times Square and this is where they live. So it, I tried to tell her that like the plastic bags are not disconnected from our literal day-to-day -day reality. Yes. Right. So for me, the plastic bags was, it started off as seeing a, a motif during the whole research that I've done on migraines and where they go, where they're coming from, it doesn't matter. There's always something about 
carrying this bag sometimes it's like a burner phone and uh, another hoodie and they always have like an adidas or something they're always very branded but that's what they carry when they leave the house but it's also what people carry when there's a climate crisis which is another thing that i find very inspiring and i try to bring into my work so if you leave your house and it's flooded, you leave with a plastic bag. You never leave with a suitcase. And yeah. it's like, suitcase is privilege. So I think that's something that as a props for me was, I I got obsessed about the plastic bags and the texture, like what it means, that color, everything about that kind of like got me to research a lot. I'll explain more about my process, which has to do a lot about why do I deep dive into textures. Uh, but Celia, you asked me a question before that, and I answered yeah. the question in the other. How do I bring? Yes, how you bring all of those things that we talked about into your art? So as, a, as an artist, I started in photography, but at some point during my career, I realized that I was more interested in collage and using my own photography and putting it into collage form. Collage developed into animated collage, which I oh. start animating and moving things around the frame. So when I call myself a multidisciplinary, it's because I was able to do a wide transition. If I talk programs from uh, taking photos to doing Photoshop, to doing Premiere, to doing After Effects. So I'm doing all those like elements on my own as a part of my collage work and my experiments. Uh, so collage allows me to bring a lot of everything into one place. And, and you need to see how all the elements are contributing to the story and authenticating it for you it's not authenticated as a real thing but just how does this make you feel real in one of my works it looks like people are walking on water and for me it was like very important to have that sense of feeling that they're almost drowning so i wanted to make sure that like the way i place them is a little bit kind of like creating anxiety that you think they're going to drown yeah uh, and right. i use the images in the collage, I I consider it as a brush, basically. So as a what? Anything that I, as a brush, oh, like okay. paintbrush. Of so course. basically, yeah. I I see it almost like as a painter, that instead of colors in a bucket, I have references of visuals or textures or things that are from my life that I put together into a new reality. So each collage creates a, a specific reality uh a version of reality that's oh. not, not, so, not so specific a version of it every time it's a it's a view into some reality some of my work are very minimalist and they tell a more um aspirational story of like as what would be a utopian kind of life that i consider some of them are very uh dystopian uh, it, it really runs on the on the gamut between utopia and dystopia. Uh, so, in what way your own history goes into the images you create? I think this return to sender, the exhibition I'm showing right now with us, is the most personal work that I've done that brought the deepest uh, fears and realities that I deal with. I think being an immigrant and considering my grandparents' story made me realize that I'm not an immigrant alone. I've been the granddaughter of an immigrant and like 
to see how my whole family at the end of the day are always moving, which is a little bit the story of the Jewish uh, person in the world. So where they came from? My grandmother came from Casablanca and my other grandmother came from Florence. So my oh. family is Italian, 14 generations. My great grand uncle was the rabbi of Florence during the Holocaust. He survived, he helped save all the Jewish that lived in Florence, but his family and him, most of them died. So I went to see his, the street named after him in Florence, and that started creating some sort of interesting story that I wanted to find out more about that part of the family and why they had to leave Italy when they left Italy and they never got back, but they have 14 generations back. So the Medici's had somebody from my family related to them. That's and, what I wanted to ask you. And I'm, as an Israeli citizen, I want to go back to Italy because I feel there's so much roots for me over there right. that I need to explore. And then on the other side, it's again, a lot of generations in Casablanca. My grandmother is, uh, her last family is alone, but they originally are from Tzfat. And basically from Tzfat, when there was no food, they Nothing. moved, so they're originally, and, and I just thought they're both stories are sad and inspiring for me to see, because I live in Connecticut, I don't live in Israel. My family worked hard to get to Israel, but I ended up leaving. So my perspective is from the outside. I think if I was living in Israel, I wouldn't be able to create this story from the inside. Right, but I envy you because, you know, uh, I think about my mother, she came from a small town in mm -hmm. Poland. And I, until today, cannot, cannot, I don't know what she carried with her in terms of, let's say, visuals. I don't know how in any way her experience um, did the path for the future for her. I don't even know much about her lane of memories like your, you know, grandparents, mothers. So in a way, you have much more to work with, you know. You have a lot of, a lot of much more possessions, spiritual and emotional possessions, you know? Yes. And you're I, using I, it. I think I have more, this is the nostalgic part. I gravitate towards these stories, the photos, like I keep them, I look at them, I view them. I care so much. Like, I, I think that's a big part of me that like they left me some of the information, but I decided to keep on searching for more information because I thought there was an interesting story to be told right. for me. Again, as, as a person who didn't think family and roots were a big thing, I never cared about it. And then one day I was just like, when I turned 40, by the way, I realized that I wanted to know more. And, and I actually went to Italy and Morocco on my 40th because I wanted to see where my family's from. Wow. But you know, it's interesting because everybody has their, you know, story, especially when everybody's moving around. And uh, my grandmother came from Budapest and they... Basically, my her father was in the army and they told him, just leave, go to Palestine. And he picked up the family and went. And she took me, took me, we never went, you know, to Budapest. I knew Budapest almost by heart. And I felt very much part of Budapest, you know, but I've never been there. And then later on, when I so went there too. with my mom and my sister, 
I had nothing to do with this city. You know, it's just, a, it, I carried the memory and the nostalgia with my grandmother, but we were both in Israel. And now she's here with me in New York. So, you know, you I don't know if she knows it, but she's with me in New York. She's with me everywhere. It's really the sentiment, you know, the personal the sentiment that you put into your basket and you carry it with you. And then you, you paint it in the colors that you like. And it serves you every time in a different way. And you use it every time in a different way. And that's what makes it beautiful. But I think when, when a move like that is traumatic, it takes time even to to save yourself from the trauma mm. and to survive and to be able to move on and you have expectations that the next place will save you so you create a different sentiment totally that is detached from the past and is attached to the future because you're looking forward to something else that will be better so and then you pass it to the next generation so it's really it has a very interesting journey but I want you to go back to your art, to your pieces. Um, you you planted your your figures this time in a very in in buildings and in very Manhattan buildings. Why did you do that? Why did you bring them to the city? First of all, I saw them in the city first when they were coming off the buses, and I realized the journey they've gone through because crossing from Venezuela, getting to the US, ending up on a bus for 16, 18 hours, I don't know how long it is, and they're dropping you off at Times Square. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Insane experience I can imagine for anybody, not just a migrant. Yeah, I was amazed when I heard about it. It's like, <laughs> you know, amazing. So I think that was the first thing for me, like the, how dare you do this to people, to kids, that kind of experience? Because it's supposed to be amazing. It's supposed to be like the most true place in the world. But in reality, it's a scary place. Uh, and the other thing, I, I'm most of my work is inspired by urban lifestyle and urban skylines. I find that the changing of skyline is a big part of where I see the nostalgia, how you look at buildings how they were before and how the landscape is changing all around you so new york has always been like my yeah like it, it it has a lot of buildings. let's talk about ai okay wow uh, i'm afraid of ai oh my god i'll explain what i do with ai um i'm no expert i'm an early adopter player and i went for creating visual and AI when I wanted to create a story about migrants and I realized that I wasn't allowed to take photos or use photos that are not mine. And all of a sudden the experience of showing a community, a group of people without being allowed to access real footage kind of put me in a like question mark, like how do I talk about migrants without having migrants? And again, I live in Connecticut in a forest it's also very detached from my day to day. I see it, but I can't like really capture that reality. And that's what made me go to mid journey and create an AI uh, prompt to create visual of migrants. And for me, what I wanted to bring in the photo was mostly plastic, plastic bags and the aesthetics that I found 
very um, eye-catching in the in, in every um, uh, news photo that I've seen, like the mass of people and what they're carrying with them. So I use Midjourney, which is a platform to create AI images. Um, the way you do it, you describe what you want to get. So I describe the complete scene of the type of uh, color scheme that I wanted, texture, how many people, what's so the what do you feed the, the, feed the computer? You go into what would be considered a chatbot and you write uh, slash imagine and then you write the prompt and the prompt can be migrants crossing a border, holding plastic bags, wide angle, five people, despair in emo is an emotion and you press enter and then there's an AI generator that basically creates these visuals. But it um, creates a, one visual or it gives you option? It creates four. It's a set of four. And then out of the four, you can enlarge each one of them. You can develop them. You can create changes in them. Also, what you can I've, play with it. Okay. And yeah. what I've done is for a couple of months, I experimented more and more and more creating these visuals. But then I cut them, put them in my collages that are based on my own photography. And then I create a collaboration. So basically... Collaboration with the chat. Yes. Yes. So my collages are originally mine, my own world, but I needed characters in my movie and I couldn't get anybody. So I created them and now I have an army. I can actually, I, I have this folder open if you want to see. I have an yes. army of these visuals because I kept on exploring what would be the aesthetics that I'm looking for. And I was very specific on a color palette. There's a specific blue that I like in the sunrise and I think it's the dawn of a new day so I wanted to get that kind of like that blue so they're all in blue because that was the color that kind of like led into my the story that I wanted to tell so basically uh, you created yourself an arsenal of information that you can play with so why are you afraid of it oh because this is like a great way uh, to use AI but AI can also write scripts that screenwriters will be abolished. That's it. No more screenwriter. They will write a script and then somebody will just come and correct it. You'll be surprised. They can do uh, translations. You don't need translators anymore. They will do the translation and somebody will just go over it and get some peanuts for well, that. This is not the first time that technology creates a new situation. But now it's that, now uh, it's much more sophisticated. Much more. A lot of professions will disappear. A lot of professions disappeared already and will disappear more. But we have to many, stop it. But many new uh, fields will rise and will develop. The question is You have to do how... the cost and the what right. you know, the, the gain and the cost. And apparently the loss. Is more than the gains. Think, I don't think you can stop it. The question so you is, can. what do we Governments do? Already, government already start to stop it for at least six months to see and research the damage. Right. But I think that what we need to do is to study it very well. That's what I'm saying. First study and then put to, it out. And then how to work with everybody around it and then create new, new That's what they're doing now. They're stopping it for six months, some countries. They want to study it, see exactly. But scientists, not not you know, it's not just folklore that it can be very damaging. You Do know? you feel, Karim, that it limits you or helps you or 
um, uh, enable you to do things differently. How, what do you feel about it? Oh, she already uh, it. She really enjoys it. I, I, I'll start with like uh, even before what I feel about it. I I'm thinking the conversation I'm, about it. But I'm talking about the whole concept, not only yeah. for your videos. Yeah. So the conversation about AI, I find it to be very interesting and very polarizing. I think a lot of people are intimidated and a lot of people see the potential. I can tell you that if we would have had this conversation 12 years ago about Twitter, you probably would have said Twitter is an amazing platform. Twitter is a great internet altogether. Sure. That's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Look how much damage Twitter is doing. Yeah, but 12 years ago, people... But if there will be a research and they will take 5,000 young people and test Twitter on 5,000 young people, they will, not, they will not allow it. Everything that you create and you invent depends how you're using it. Okay. You can either yeah. destroy the world or help the world, and it's both. Whoever can do a back from everything will push it. But this is not new. But we have to make sure that we protect the kids. So we have maybe, okay. I think protecting the kids is educating them to use the, the tools way. that are a part of the world versus trying to limit them. Because pressure is more strong than any education. Corinne, you have a one-year-old at home. She's going to a different world that you are now just stepping in in a very minimum minimum way. Uh, how would you equip her in order to to deal with this? I will teach her the tools that are relevant to the reality she's walking into. If she's going to walk into a reality where a visual on Instagram could be fake by manipulation, could be fake by anything, I will teach her that she has to double, triple check things for the real versus not real, because AI can generate that. I will teach her that imagination cannot be replaced. With all due respect to all the AI in the world, if you have imagination, that's the tool. If you're flexible enough to see the technology is always moving forward, we're gonna either stop, go, ah, okay. be so scared about it and end up losing a lot because that's what usually happens. All the technology that every time we change in terms of technology, we get so scared, but we get so scared because we don't know what it means. I've been anti-Facebook for years. It's, it's something that I really passionately ate. I don't like Facebook. I don't like what social media has done to the world. And I can tell you that it's been something that again, when it started and where it is today is where I, AI is gonna be where it started today. And in 10 years, we'll see the bad things. They're gonna happen. We have to just make sure that as humans with the basic uh, understanding, we can teach kids and grownups because I think most people that are really intimidated are people that are seeing where it's going to hurt them personally. Because AI, at the end of the day, is going to replace my friend who's a copywriter, my other friend who's a photographer, but it's not really going to replace them. It's going to give them a tool, a tool that can make their job better, faster, smarter. It can... Will it, they, it will do it for them because it's cheaper to use but, AI than... So but Sipi, you cannot stop the world from the technological well, I'm not world. telling you many countries are going to take Although, six months and test it. Okay, so they'll test it and then they'll go back to it. You cannot we'll stop it. And the problem is that 
instead of fighting it, you have to learn what to do in order to bring it in a better way. I think that the, one of the main things that we shouldn't give up is ethics, because I think that ethics is not yeah, being right. studied enough. Yes. And you have to push ethics all the time in a very, very yes. strong way. And 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 change a little bit the education system in a in a sense that it's helpful and you can really lead them in a safer way towards something else bad people will take over money people will take over always on everything but we have to make the best out of it and i think it's in in a way it's exciting because there are billions uh, of people who cannot do anything It's exciting and it needs regulation and you're right, 50% of the people who would approach it will take advantage of the bad part of it and 50% know. But when you're seeing about the good things, like, and there's a lot of conversation about the good things, it's going to progress science 10 times faster than before because now there's a machine that can test and figure out things that they needed so many people and sometimes brain power that we just don't have. And I'm a big fan of, of that sentence that says like, if technology, future fear of technology is a mind killer, because if you fear it, it would stop you from seeing the potential. No, I just want to know how can we could make it, I mean, reduce the damage. So regulation, you have to build regulation, the whole system to protect of it. Of course, and also the you ethical, know, as you say. The older we get, we are always rushing after the tail of the new thing. And the, the older we get, we get slower and more upset because it's hard to, to catch it and it's hard to be part of it. So we are standing back and we're protecting our old ways and it won't help. And it's very hard to move fast enough in order to get it. There is something that we people in one hand, we're not flexible enough in order to work, to mold it well, you know, into our way of life. We have no choice. We have no choice. We have to move like a forward. snowball. Yeah. It always moves forward. It never stops. The only thing you can really do is realize that like the world is always progressing. Like, Just no, 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 don't mix it. Not the world. Technology is progressing. People are the same. People are the same. They're just the way they <laughs> Always change with technology. Yeah, but people, the quality, the human qualities, same. Yeah, but the bad qualities of humans, like power. Same. Like, uh, same. The need to control. But that's the leading part. Right. That's the leading part. What but, but that's like... The amount of AI that we have right now that is in use without most people knowing the AI is helping them. Like when you apply for a job, you know, nobody reads your resume. There's an AI that reads your resume and puts you in the right order. So there's already AI in use in most everywhere. The fact that it's accessible to the public for free and they're giving us the lowest Intel the, the least intelligent version right now just to see what happens they're invoking a conversation that it's going to be more relevant in six months it's going to be a lot more relevant in five years but the way i use it was to solve a problem i saw like i had a problem and that <laughs> helped me solve a problem i think there's million use cases definitely million use i miss cases. the human touch the human uh, judgment i miss it but uh On the other hand, there's so many 
bad decisions that made by the wrong people that affect uh, many people's future. So it's it, it's really tricky how you play with this. But um, listen, it's a challenge. I am just thinking what will happen, but it's not. We don't have time for that. I'm going to think how it will affect documentary films. I documentary films. So I think documentary films, when you're thinking about the, the human aspect is such a core part of documentary because without somebody telling a story from their own perspective and stories can be told in different ways. As still do documentary, that would be, that would be not the truth, I would say. I have an idea. You should do a documentary about what happens with AI. <laughs> Start now in 10 years. I'm sure it's going to like yeah. be wild. Um, but, but again, I'm... I'm a fan of the conversation more from versus the technology. I think the technology is amazing, of course, but I love the conversation. I love that we are aware that it exists. Like I grew up watching Terminator 2. In Terminator 2, there's a platform that controls the world and the robots are killing all of us. And I thought that was the future. So for me, what's going on right now a, is a little bit close to what I thought would be the future. Uh, but the other hand is we've always been told about the futuristic, like, Computers are going to take over. They've been feeding us this for years. AI yes. has been a part of cinema for so long. How could we imagine that it won't be in real life? When Jules Verne talked about like doing everything and people were like, wait, we didn't invent the submarine yet. <laughs> we invented the submarine after him. So it's like we kind of made it happen because right. we've been talking about it for so long. So no, I'm, I'm hoping that it won't be as bad as social media. Fascinating. I can hope. Fascinating conversation. Thank you for coming. Good Thank luck you so with the much. show. Good and luck. and keep, keep going. That's right. That's right. Bye, everybody. Bye, Tsi. Bye. 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 Bye.